Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. This episode of Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks is sponsored by Hobo Wolfman Records. Hobo Wolfman Records is home to local bands The Fill-Ins, The Body Bags, and Home for the Day. But check out all the stuff they have on their webpage, including some kick-ass new hats and shirts. Check them out at HoboWolfmanRecords.com. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. Hey, what's up? There we go. All right. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. I'm working on uh, getting my levels over here. I'm just so thrilled that there, there doesn't really seem to be a lag. Yeah. If if that does end up happening any at all there's, here. There's, this one's not... Uh-huh. I was gonna say if 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 there is like any kind of space or anything, At I always least, I always I do some editing and I cut all that out. But um, I was gonna say it does it does actually seem opening, so I hate it. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's one of the things like working with these you know Skype interviews or or Zoom or whatever. It's really handy in certain yeah. ways, but you know the the technology is not perfect, and you know there, there's gonna be some buggy times no. where where the audio cuts out or. Where you know there's a little bit of a delay, we talk mm-hmm. over each other a little bit. Um, but man, they're they're so much easier to edit <laughs> yeah. because I can really work with like your voice mm-hmm. and my voice completely yeah. independently. That's cool. Do you uh, so you've got us on separate channels or whatever? So if it's like a three second lag, you'll figure it out. Yep, exactly. Either the, either that or like like I said, I, I'll just cut out you know seconds. I, I, whenever I edit, I cut out a bunch of silent or dead mm-hmm. space anyway. So you have a good good day. Not bad. Yeah. Went over to uh, my girlfriend's gonna be moving in my house. Me and my girlfriend are having a baby. Yeah. Okay. So she's gonna be moving into my house. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thanks. Um, she lives at a townhouse, which is like my house. So while she, she's been at work, she's a teacher over cleaning. And uh, then I made chicken marsala. Yeah. And, uh, walked the dogs, and she went to bed, and now now I'm here with you. Yeah. And, and this is getting kind of very laggy so if, if it's taking me a while to respond to you that's why <laughs> yeah do, it, do you want uh is there is there a uh, uh solution i'm trying to think when this has happened before in the past sometimes we've just done with audio sometimes we've tried a different program altogether instead of like zoom we use skype or facebook messenger I, i'm familiar i've used facebook messenger before or if you want to try that yeah let's try that real quick because this is this is pretty bad and if if, if that if that's just as bad, then we'll figure something out. I mean, like, I, I can work with it, but it'll make it easier. So I'll go ahead and end this. Yeah. And then uh, okay. I'll, I'll, like, start, like, a video chat with you there in just a minute. Okay. Sounds good. I'll do it.
Okay, yeah, hold on a second. I gotta fix my audio. Okay, it's fine. Oh, well, I, I didn't hear. I didn't hear anything you just said. <laughs> That's fine. My, you just you, you're no longer on my headphones, so okay. The lag seems less. Yeah, already it seems better. Um, all right, cool. We'll roll with this, and and if if it starts to get laggy, we'll we'll work with it. This seems better already. Yeah, for sure. So I'm talking to yep. Patrick North from Longshot Odds, and yep. you guys are a Columbia, South Carolina band, correct? We are. Are you originally from Columbia, or I am not. Okay, where are you originally from? I'm uh was born in Syracuse, uh, New York. Okay. Lived up in that kind of neck of New York up until about my freshman year in high school, and then I moved a little more south in New York near the Pennsylvania border in a city called Binghamton. Yeah. And uh, this is where Rod Sterling's from, from the Twilight Zone. Okay. It's about art. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, yeah, Binghamton's a, it's a shithole. I love it, but it's a, it's a shithole. When, when did you move to Columbia? I moved to South Florida before moving here for okay. a few years. About what age did you, did you play? Well, I guess what I'm getting at is when you lived up there, did you ever play any bands or were you into music at that time? Into music, but I never really got beyond the uh, getting a bunch of friends together, naming a band, and getting yeah. stoned, and just like not playing music. Just, <laughs> so something we pretty much we all never been really through. got beyond that phase. <laughs> actually, one of those bands that we never really except, uh, was were in is yeah. actually the name of this album that we just came out. With. So far to go it was like some okay. name of some like post. It was like our post emo band that we wanted to have, yeah. but we never did it. So we. But we just—it was. I remember it was called "So Far to Go," and I was always like, "That was really that was a good name." Yeah. For something. <laughs> well, it, it works for it's an like album 15, title too. So. Twenty years later, I'm like, "All right, stolen." Cool. Well, we'll and we'll talk about that album in a little bit. Um, oh yeah, for sure. So after you lived, you were up from up north, then you moved to Florida. When you were in mm-hmm. Florida, did you get involved in music at all, or was that not until you came to Columbia? You know, it was really hard in Florida. Florida's a. I was in West Palm. Like, I don't know, nobody's interested in doing anything down there, it seems like. Like, I definitely had some friends that I got together with and played music, but uh, yeah. we were making some, like, real off-the-wall, like, Mars Volta-y type, just, like, ambient noise rock kind of stuff. Yeah. It was great, but, like, there's nothing, you know, we were just fucking just getting lit and, and making music. <laughs> making music, yeah. Yeah. So when you were a kid, what's, like, one of your earliest musical memories, the thing that, like, sort of drew you into music? So it really breaks down to... When my move between uh, the Syracuse area, it was this little town called Mexico, New York, down to uh, Binghamton area, mm-hmm. my ninth grade earth science teacher lost my state final. So you, your final exam was nowhere to be found? No, no, like she administered the test. She knows, like she calls me like crying because yeah. <laughs> she knew, she knew I took the test. She knew I handed it in. Mm-hmm. She knew she lost it. She was like, I was in the dumpster looking for this test, and oh, I just wow. moved two and a half hours away. Yeah. And this lady, like, would dr- drove two and a half hours to tutor me, because I had to take the test again. It was yeah. basically, she had to mark me, like, in order for her not to get fired, Oh wow. basically, yeah. she had to mark me down to fail, and I had to take summer school. Uh, it was that year, my sister made me a mixtape, and it had, like, some, like, punk ska stuff, like, Less Than Jake on it. This was probably, like, 99. Yeah, it was, like, this, it was, yeah, it was the summer of 99. Hmm. And my sister made me like a mixtape. Before that, I was listening to radio, right? like Bush, and, and yeah. you know, I, I I knew what Blink One Eighty Two was in Green Day, and, yeah. and I was familiar with that stuff. But you know, the the next step for me was a little more was like the Lesson Jake and the the Safe Ferris and Real Big Fish because mm-hmm. I was a I was a band kid. I was playing trombone. Okay, yeah, I played trombone for 
I played for like a year and a half. But I, I was just hitting high school when Third Wave Ska was like taking over. So oh, like, yeah. what a good time to be playing trombone. Yeah. It was like, oh, this might be cool. This, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that didn't work out. But but you know, that was my first kind of that punk ska thing, and I really enjoyed that yeah. feeling of things. Like uh, I think that was that less less than Jake album. The first song it was like "Less Without a Liberty City, Burn It to the Ground," and then it was like it starts the fast riff. I was oh, like, yeah. all right. And I could dig the uh, the energy. So yeah, that mixtape from my sister. Yeah, that's what set it off. Yeah, she was really into Spice Girls at the time, I think. Okay, <laughs> but like, so when I, when I started playing in band and I got assigned to play trombone, I was like really disappointed. My dad's like, "Well, you can play in a because I, I thought you know I wanted to play saxophone because you can play in a rock band and play a saxophone." But then my dad's like, he's like, you can play trombone in a rock band. I'm like, no, you can't. And, and you know, he was thinking about some older bands and stuff. But, you know, little did I know that Ska would come along or, or, or you know, yeah, rebirth you play, of Ska. You can play flute. You can play flute in a metal band. It's cool, Jethro Tull. <laughs> but, you know, I, I didn't stick with it anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, I no. never got that good at it. Kellen, our, our bassist in, in Long Shot Odds, he actually kind of similarly, he played trumpet in, in high school. Yeah. So on this last album, we actually, like, it's it's not like super loud in the mix, but we both pulled out our trombone oh, wow. and trumpet. We, we threw some we threw some of that in there. Yeah. So we, you moved to Florida now, you, mm-hmm. and you said you sort of played music there. Did what what area of Florida did you live in? South West Palm. So was there a music scene down there? Did you get like start going out to shows a lot? There wasn't, but like that's like high money. Like people are not interested in the punk scene. Yeah. There at all. It was that more like scene core mm-hmm. thing that people were doing, and that just never did it for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to a show, it was a big wig, booked some show down at some small venue down there. Okay. And the band uh, opened up for him, and it, like, fucking changed my shit. Like, Valiant Thor. Yeah. Dude, I saw them in, like, it was, like, 2003 or something like that. And this guy's got us down on our knees, and we he's, like, you know, making us say chance to Venus, <laughs> the gods, and, and, and I don't know, but this dude's, like, a... He's a, that dude could be the greatest cult leader. Yeah, <laughs> his stuff was it was great, but the riffs and the the, the music and the the energy and their their denim jackets and their yeah. throwing guitars back across the stage and it was rock and roll and it was just exciting and that shit. Yeah, we we played with them a couple of years ago and they're they're really good. I think they're originally from North Carolina, but he lives in yeah, Vir- they're from Asheville. He lives in Virginia now, I believe, or Venus or yeah. something, Alapoy. <laughs> No, but those guys are so, that, that music is so rad. It's just that ACDC on speed shit. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of stuff. But then um, basically what happened is Florida sucks. Yeah. And my parents moved here to Columbia, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And they were basically just one day, they're like, do you want to move here? And I go, uh, I don't know. And they, got, they just were like, we'll pay for half your U-Haul. Yeah. And I was like, all right, fine, fuck it, deal. <laughs> so, you know. So I split that, the U-Haul with my parents, and loaded up all my stuff, and uh, left my 1996 Saturn to a kidney car, and yeah. just drove a U-Haul up to Columbia, South Carolina, and met a dude on uh, MySpace named uh, Tyler, and uh, we started this band called Yumi and Us. Like okay. He lived in Columbia, and I just found him on uh, MySpace Classified, and he, I, I forget what the Classified ad was, and it was like a bunch of 90s bands, but mm-hmm. then he like mentioned like uh, Bad Religion. Yeah. It's like one of the, he's like, I don't know, I just want to be in a band. It was like my, it was a classified band. He's like, I want to be in a band and I wanted to, you know, sound like, and I, I, I don't know, I forget something like Third Eye Blind. Like mm-hmm. he just listed like five or six different bands that he liked. Yeah. And one of them was like Bad Religion. And that was like really the only band on the list that I was into. Yeah. But I was like, all right, I can work with that. I've always liked writing songs, but I've never played with anyone up until 2007. And I, you know, at that point, I'm already 
about 24. Yeah. And so, yeah, we started this band called, uh, we called it You, Me, and Us. Mm-hmm. It was You, Me, and Uncle Sam originally, but we just shortened it to You, Me, and Us to get better on the flyer. Yeah. You, Me, and Uncle Sam being the uh, Stripes reference. Yeah. Um, when I've been pushed off a cliff and down a Were you playing keyboards in this band as well? No, no. Uh, was, I was doing all the bass. Okay. Basically, I mean, it was it was the same shtick, basically, fast, loud. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard a little bit of it. I think I, I found it. I can't remember where I found it when I interviewed uh, Tiff Tantrum because she talked about you guys, mm-hmm. and I played one of your songs in that because it it, yeah. it it was a good time to put, play a song, and I was like, okay, I can play somebody else besides this band. Yeah, no, that that that, that, uh, that I actually was listening to that. I was like, oh shit, that was a fun moment for my ego. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like to do that, especially with some of these episodes where, you know, maybe the person's been in a lot of bands, but, you know, we sometimes, like, if I go too long with the talking, I'm like, I need to split it up with some music. And if they just mention mm-hmm. another band, it's like, okay, well, that's a good time to play somebody else from the area that we can help promote as well. You know, yeah. Even if it's from somebody from the past, because one of my goals with this podcast is to, like, make sure people don't forget about the stuff from the past, because... Yeah, so many people already have forgotten about bands that broke up like just two years ago, much less you know fifteen years ago. Yeah, so the, the uh, much more exciting stuff is that all that shit kind of I don't know all that part of my history fucking blows. <laughs> um, yeah. It was zero fun up until Mrs. Lockhart lost my Earth Science test. Yeah. <laughs> so fuck this shit, I'm fucking out of here.
about it earlier because I was like, all right, shit, he's gonna ask me about some of this stuff. And I was like, that's really the, that's that was the moment. Yeah. Because it made me go to summer school, and the way summer school worked in my school district, it was like uh, these four different high schools basically they put their summer schools together, mm-hmm. and they just alternated what school it was at every year. Yeah. Like you know, every every four years, one high school had summer school there. Yeah. And I just remember, so there's a bunch of kids that you didn't go to high school with. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, I don't know anyone. Because I, I, I didn't even know anyone from my own high school, let, let alone because I just moved to the city. Oh, yeah, yeah. So my first, I didn't even get to go to school before I was at summer school. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, I'm doodling, like, you know, Real Big Fish's logo on, or Mighty Mighty Boston's and shit like that on my notebook. And mm-hmm. some other kids saw it, and... And then there's these other kids that were like the stereotypical movie bullet bullies because they were like screaming like skate or die at us. Yeah. And and, and shit like that. And I was just like, oh, like we're we're getting bullied for <laughs> liking Scott or I don't know. So I didn't even know at this point in my life that there was like local bands that mm-hmm. played like gigs like yeah. that. And they invited me to uh, what I think just needs to start happening again was these old like American Legion house yeah, shows yeah. and. All ages, Legion Hut, mm-hmm. um, drink in the parking lot, try not to trash the venue so they let you keep having shows yeah, there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, shitty sound, but everything's good, tons oh, yeah. of kids always, Yeah, all ages, $5. Exactly. And so we started going to these shows, and, and after a while, I started, uh, I think I'm like 15 or 16 at the point, and uh, so I started setting up some of these shows, I remember I set up my first show, I had to have my dad come down and sign mm-hmm. the contract for like the legion hut oh, yeah. i think it was like it cost me like 350 dollars to actually just book the legion hut for the yeah. show then i had to pay somebody for sound and but at the end of the day we still made like i don't know like 300 kids still came out so it was like that that clearly needs to be a thing yeah <laughs> we did one here in my little small town um, and we were part of several of those shows back in you know the early 90s but we did one here, and for a small town, we had a pretty decent crowd to show up too. We probably ended up having, throughout the day, about a hundred kids come through. But I don't remember. Yeah. I've still got the contract somewhere, so I have to look at it and see how much we paid for the place. But. Yeah, I thought I had the contract. I have like this album with a bunch of flyers. I was kind of thumbing through a little bit earlier, just uh, like, oh yeah, that, that was a thing that happened. Yeah, we do need to kind of get back to that and do some more of that kind of stuff because I know, like, at the end of the day, we're like, you know, you play in a band, I play in a band, but we're also like, you know. 30s, 40s, mm-hmm. and I know some people in bands, punk bands, 50s, yeah. and stuff like that, switching yeah. 60. It's like we're all just like hanging out at bars, like circle jerking off each other at, at 10 <laughs> o'clock, talking about how cool we are. And it's like, no, we need to be playing shows that start at like 5 30, 6 o'clock. Yeah. And there's like, you know, you, you have like a bunch of high school bands opening for you because that's you goes to shows. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I, I didn't, I, I kind of thought a lot in the past few years, you know, where are the kids at? Where are the kids at? But apparently the kids yeah. are going to house shows. The kids, aren't, the kids aren't going to bars at 10 o'clock. Yeah. They're going to house shows and seeing bands play, you know, in somebody's basement or whatever. Yeah. And, isn't, that what you, isn't that what you did when you were a kid? Yeah. <laughs> so, until I found the milestone, but you know, once I was at the, found the milestone, that was like, and it was 18 and up. So once I was 18, I was there all the time, every yeah. weekend. And every city's got their their all ages and venues, and in playing, not all ages venues is good too, because mm. sometimes you know you don't want the kids around, but <laughs> but for the most part, like the kids are the ones with the energy, and that's the part that makes it fun. 
So I think, especially like on the other side of all of this COVID stuff, you know, that might be one of our better options anyway. I mean, there might not be as many places left. I mean, hope I'm hoping, fingers crossed, we're not going to lose too many venues. But no. reality is, if this goes on for several more months and and they can't do shows or not yeah. many shows, and um, a lot of these places won't end up surviving, unfortunately. Yeah, have you guys been playing any shows? No, we haven't. We're um, we're just taking time off. I, I don't I don't anticipate playing until next year, um, just because North Carolina has been a little bit more strict about some things. Yeah. Um, so it's there's really nowhere. Well, there he is. Freeman's is doing shows now, but I've already told Brad that I'll let him know when we're ready. But you know, we're just kind of we're taking this as a break to write new music and and then see what's see what's happening next year. Yeah, we've been playing some sparse shows, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few of them been outside, and then we've been playing at uh, Return to Zero down there. It's uh, Todd from the uh, the, th- the 33s. Okay. Insert 33s here. Yeah. Go! location if you click the the map direction on the facebook link you're not going to find it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, but it, it's been fun we're doing something there on halloween yeah i saw i saw that with uh brandy and the butcher and yeah in soda city riot and the, and the 33s yeah so uh, how are how's turnout for the shows down there right now um we played down there a few weeks ago and it was it was about as full as it felt about as full as I wanted. Well, I was, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, we play so many shows where like fifteen people show up anyway. So <laughs> yeah, and that's why, like, when this first started coming out, I was like, "Oh, punk rock shows are still safe, though, right?" Yep, <laughs> pretty much, especially at bars. I don't know about the house shows, but we'll find out about that, I guess, somewhere yeah. down the road. Because there's a there's like a band from Charlotte called um, Mutant Strain, and they played Milestone a couple of times, but apparently they play house shows all the time. I'm going to hook up with them and, and try to play some shows and do, do some stuff like that. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know if I'll rent the armory here in Kings Mountain like, again. <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm not cool enough to hang out with those kids. Well, there's that too. I, I'm also kind of a little bit like, and I don't want to be the old dude hanging out with the kids, but yeah. you know, I mean, uh, as long as they're cool, well, some even, older not people not playing. Even, not even age wise. I just feel like those kids are way cooler than me. Yeah, that's, that's they can true. smell. They can smell me not being cool from my <laughs> Yeah. Cause I've given up on being cool. I don't, I don't even really try anymore. It's just like, I'm just going to do what I want to do and, and yeah, I, that, think, that, I, I think I'm cool. That's all that matters. <laughs> you got a podcast. That's pretty cool. How many people listen to you a week, man? That's pretty cool. I'd say there's about roughly 70 dedicated listeners that listen to pretty much every episode. You got more people listening to you than I do, I think. Yeah, and then like there's some episodes that do 140, 150, I think. 160 is the most for an interview episode. That's pretty cool. You know, I also don't know because I think that counts like at least one minute of listening as a as a listen. So I don't know how many people actually listen to the whole thing. <laughs> I'd like to know that. <laughs> yeah, I bet that last one you did got got a pretty good listen. Uh, the Jeff Clayton one got list was very well listened to. 
Yeah. That one's performed really well. Flight Risk did really well. Um, the one I just released yesterday has done pretty well already with Jeff Williams. They all, they've all, they all perform pretty well. Every now and then I'll have one like my Brandy and the Butcher episode for some reason didn't perform that well. And yeah. I'm not sure, you know, where, where, honestly, most of my listeners I think are in Charlotte. So they're not, yeah. they're not quite familiar with Brandy and the Butcher, even though they've played here once. They haven't, maybe more than once. Well, most, it's really weird because I look at, I don't know what algorithms you like, look, look at, because I like looking at numbers too. Mm-hmm. Like, Spotify's got a good app for artists to look at your numbers. Yeah. And it's always so weird to me. Since I, ever since we've been on Spotify for the last, I think, three years since I put us on Spotify, Charlotte's always like our number one city. Yeah. We played one show in Charlotte in the yeah. last three years. Like nobody ever asked us to play shows there. <laughs> like people want to, people are listening to us. It's our, it's our, it's always our number one city, but nobody ever asks us to play there. <laughs> well, there's a good scene in Charlotte. I mean, as far as there's, yeah, there's, no, there's, I, there's I, a lot I, of people. I remember, I remember from the the you, me, and us days. We used to, we used to play those punk rock. We played the first punk rock picnic. Yeah, those were fun shows. Yeah, we we um. And we haven't played one of those yet. We were going to play this year, but that kind of fell through. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there next year. Hopefully. I don't even know where we're supposed to be this year. It, was at, it used to be at, uh, what was it, at, uh, Milestone, right? Well, they, I think they had it at Tremont a few years. I don't know if they... Tremont, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tremont. I, I, get, I get Tremont and Milestone confused. Yeah, they had it at Tremont. I, I know they're starkly different, everyone. Last year, they did it at um, Canvas Tattoo, which they're, that, this is a mm-hmm. tattoo place in North Davidson or on North Davidson. And um, they've got like a fenced-in back area with a stage and a big lot. It's a pretty pretty nice setup out there. So. Yeah. The last time, other than when we played with y'all, the last time that we played Charlotte before that was like it was a punk rock picnic with uh, 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 no anger control yeah. and pleasures of the ultra ultraviolet. Oh That's yeah, a good from, band. from Asheville. Yeah, those guys are rad. Um, we were supposed to play with them one time too, and and they broke up. But I think they're back together now. But they broke up like the, the day of the show. <laughs> We played with them down in uh, Charleston, like maybe a year ago. Yeah, maybe a little longer than that. I was super, I was super stoked because I thought they broke up too. And then, I'll, then Rick Burke, who mm-hmm. does all these really great shows with Geared Four Productions yeah. down there, he it set something up, and I was just super stoked to play with them. I wore my 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 t-shirt. Yeah, I was pretty I was pretty excited to play with them too. And then that the day of the show, we got a note a message from Buck saying, "Hey, they uh, they broke up, so you guys will be headlining." And I'm like, oh, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> but this yeah, is like this is like three years ago, and I guess you know, like I said, I, I I heard not too long after that they got back together. Bands do like to break up. Yeah, I know what that's like. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm too lazy. We kind of all like we all like we all kind of like each other, so we're not really that worried about it. Yeah, that's that's with us. I mean, you know, we're, we're two two of our members are brothers, so you know they love each other as much as brothers love each other. Which yeah. means they hate each other sometimes. And then yeah. me and Eric have been friends, best friends for like. 30 years now almost and so we're like brothers and so ben's kind of like my brother too and it's mm-hmm. we all like each other so it makes it easier but there are times when we get pissed off at each other <laughs> well before like before me and Corey started playing together like right before he was in a band uh this band called early grace and i guess they had broken up not too long before he started playing drums with me and tyler with you and me and us yeah and uh their bass player is our guitar player now okay like, so like <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's a very like familiar situation. And then our and, and I was playing bass with Long Shot Odds, mm-hmm. and uh, I just didn't want to play bass anymore. Yeah, because I kind of wanted to do. I, I wanted to incorpor- incorporate some keyboard stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to get a little more uh, what's the word like symphonic with it. And 
So I just told my buddy Kellen, who wasn't doing anything. He's always in these great bands. He's this great bass player. I was talking to him. I was like, well, are you playing with anyone? He was like, no. I was like, well, all right, well, just come play with us. Like, you're yeah. fucking rad. So come play bass with us. So I got, like, three dudes that are awesome. And we all like each other. We get to play music all the time. Yeah. It's great. Longshot Odd's been together now, or how long have you been a band? 2015, like, you, me, and us broke up in, in February, and me and Corey still had a lease on a shed, so we okay. just kept playing, and uh, by late February, JJ was playing guitar with us, so, I mean, there was really no gap yeah. between bands, all the songs that I'd written for You, Me, and Us that we didn't get a chance to record yet, those were just, that was just the first batch of recordings for yeah. Longshot Odds. Yeah, it's always good yeah. when that works out. Because um, you mm-hmm. can take that and build off of it to like really mm-hmm. kind of come into your own as a band and not necessarily yeah. do the same stuff that the previous band was doing. Yeah, and we got the, you know we got the, we expanded our our sound quite a bit more at, at that point, but which was which was good, which is why we didn't just continue calling ourselves You, Me, and Us, and we decided to go with like a branding change kind of. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like Blink One Eighty Two I mentioned earlier, like. The original Dude Ranch and Treasure Cat albums. I love those albums. Mm-hmm. And I like Travis Barker, but it doesn't feel like Blink-182. Yeah, yeah. And I, I get why they didn't change their name, because they just started breaking through with, like, Damn It mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But it's like, you're, you don't sound like the same band. Yeah. So it was just weird. And now they got the guy from Elkline Trio, which I also love. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you, now you definitely don't sound like the same band. <laughs> Remember. Yeah, that's what we did when, when um, me and Eric were in a band together called Popes on Dope, and yeah. like we met ninety three, and so ninety three to about ninety four we were Popes on Dope. But then, so Eric played drums at the time, and I played bass, and our friend Saunders played guitar, and mm-hmm. then we decided Eric really wasn't a drummer; he just played drums because he kind of we didn't know another drummer, we didn't know a drummer. Yeah. Eric could kind of halfway play drums, but Eric decided he wanted to play guitar, and so we got my brother to come play drums because he's a good drummer. And we did yeah. that. We did this. We decided. Well, we're going to change the name of the band because you know we're probably going to sound different. Yeah, you're probably going to sound radically different. 
And then my brother was in the band for about a year and he decided to quit. And we got one of my friends to play drums. And once again, we just changed the name again. It was because it's like, well, we're, we're going to, we, we use some of the same stuff to get started. Look, well, and, and at that point too, it's like, what are you going to lose your, your five person fan base? Yeah, exactly. It's not like we were huge or anything, but, uh, like, so we, we, we had some songs to get started, but it was like, like I said, kind of, it's something to, to get us started. And then we just started writing songs together and sort of taking it in a different direction. And each time we got better. So it was, you know, worth the band name change because it was like, okay, mm-hmm. we don't really want to be associated with that old stuff. We, we, well, not that we weren't proud of it, but what's that? It's good to find a drummer and just stick to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's hard um, in this Especially area. Especially if they have a band. Yeah, if they've got a band and you're like the fifth band that, they, that they're practicing with. <laughs> no, 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 they have a band. Oh, yeah, if they have a band. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. But now oh around here, drummers don't it's seem to <laughs> drummers don't seem to last too long in bands. Around here, they'll they'll switch out quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Corey can't quit me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see us giving it up anytime soon. We're just having, and it's not like like you know nobody could listen to it. Or like we enjoy listening to it, so I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so what, after you got uh, started, long shot odds. How long was it before you recorded something? And, and you've recorded, I, I think, your newest record's coming out on. Uh, River Monster, your newest album on River yeah, Monster Records, Monster. right? But you were with, uh, you've released something on Dying Scene Records before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We recorded our first demo. It's it's called Game Over, mm-hmm. like about three months after starting practicing together. Yeah, did you go in a studio or just like record on the Yeah, we went to the camera. Okay, yeah. And did that one. We did um, this EP. Then three years later, we recorded something else in yeah. 2018. And, uh, it was the, the days of our strikes, and it was like kind of like a, a little prog rock, like three piece movement. Because I don't know, because that's what you do sometimes. Yeah, um, I think I listened to the decline one too many times. I was like, <laughs> I want to try. That's a, that's a good record. It does okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then yeah, then we started going to Plowhouse for that Circle the Drain thing, and I'd send it off to this website called like Dying Scene, and they they were, they were like a record review website, mm-hmm. and I just sent it off there. Yeah, and they, they've reviewed us before. And, yeah, and the guy like emailed me back, and it was just like, uh, instead of a review, could like we release your record? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Like, and it definitely helped with like getting us out there because like there's some weird like Argentinian podcast that was just playing us, which is great. Yeah. Like, I can't understand what he like. I don't speak Spanish, but <laughs> and we were definitely the least metal thing on his podcast. It was like a metal podcast. It's oh, like, yeah. it was, like super like, super shredder dudes, and it's just like here we are. Yeah, <laughs> playing some skate punk. So with with long shot odds, who does most of the songwriting, or is it a group effort? Mostly me. Okay. Like as far as the everyone kind of writes their parts. Like a JJ yeah. is. Yeah. A, everyone's a, way better at their instrument than I am at their instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll generally write a structure, and I don't speak music. Even though I, like I said, I played in high school. Like I, the language escapes me if somebody's like, yeah play a minor chord. I'm, I don't know what that means. So I just kind of like say things to JJ and Kellen and they know what I'm talking about yeah. and they make it happen. Yeah. And Corey does the things that Corey does and he does them well. And if he doesn't, I give him a frowny face. So we have a chart. <laughs> I, I got a chart. It's star chart for band practice. Yeah. Yeah. They get frowny faces and smiley faces. Oh man. Ben's would be filled up with frowny faces. <laughs> it's a good idea though. I'm winning right now, but, you know, I'm doing a lot of work, so it's fine. 
and, and that's exactly how i'm just trying to break them morally yeah really. <laughs> and i was gonna say that's exactly how our band works like eric pretty much writes the structure of the song has the the song ready to go and then when he brings it to practice we just all put our parts to it and mm-hmm. you know, then from there we give input like you know ben might say hey why don't we try this or i might say let's try something here no, I'll be, no, I'll be like, let's play a solo here, and JJ will play a solo. I'll be like, play a better solo. <laughs> Eric does that every now and then. He'll tell Ben, Ben, you can't play that. You got to change that. Or every yeah. now and then he'll say, No, actually, I had this idea for the bass, and and I'll do it. And he'll be like, no, I <laughs> And I'll do it, and then he'll be like, Yeah, that sounds cool. And I'll be like, All right, but then I'm gonna try this, and I'll do something extra with it. <laughs> I think every band has to have that person, but you can only have one of those people. Yeah. Because we've talked about, like, I'll, I'll write a bunch of, I'll come in there, and we'll, between songs, I'm playing all kinds of riffs, and Eric and Ben be like, what's that? And I'll be like, eh, whatever, let's play one of our songs. Because <laughs> I don't want to change the, I don't really want to change that dynamic. I love it. No, there's there's songs, like, it, like Kellen was playing some riff for the longest time in band practice, and I just pull out my phone, and I pull out the little record app, and I record his, whatever the riff that he was always playing, because I was like, did you write that, or is that something? He's like, oh, it's just something I, I wrote. And that became uh, it on the last album, mm. which I think is one of the better songs on that album. It's just a really like fun, poppy riff or whatever. So I took it home and I figured out how to play it. And then I came to practice the next day. I was like, all right, I've got a song. Kellen, play your thing. <laughs> so he like wrote a song, but he didn't really know he wrote a song. River Monster Records is kind of becoming like one of the more prolific labels in Columbia, at least for punk rock. Well, I, they're not even in Columbia. They're just in South Carolina. Yeah. like <laughs> From about an hour away? Yeah, I'm not... Um, Diesel or something like that? I'm not sure of the entire geography of South Carolina. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly where he is. He exists as an enigma mm. in a place based in time that is the swamp somewhere in South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> I just know when, when I interviewed Brandy the Butcher, we kind of forgot to even mention River Monster Records. And I'm like, oh, man, he does so much for the scene that we definitely mm-hmm. got to talk about his, him and his support and, and how much he does. And, and really, I've said before, it takes a special kind of person to like want to do a label and they don't play in a band themselves. Yeah. It's like somebody just wants to throw their money away, <laughs> I guess. It seems like it's going okay. Yeah. He's a good guy. And like I said, the scene, you got a good scene there. It's growing. It, it's growing in legitimacy, and, and it's really cool to be a part of. Because again, like, and, and I feel like Larry and, and people like Larry and Rick, yeah, those guys, they, especially in South in South Carolina, in that Columbia to Charleston mm-hmm. kind of corner, they're kind of killing it. Yeah, and, and they're really things for bands going above and beyond. 
and and it's typical. And they do the right thing too, in that they su- they support and promote bands, even bands they don't really work with so much too. Both mm-hmm. of those guys do. They're they're all the time posting about bands that they like, and they're local bands. Mm-hmm. And it might not necessarily be somebody that's got something coming out on River Monster, or somebody that's playing a geared for a show. It might not really be a punk rock band. Yeah, <laughs> the local music scene. I don't know. It, it, it's it's changed a lot in the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of things have changed in the last decade or so. I'm kind of hoping we come out of this with people with a hunger to go out and experience. Me too. Things. Yeah, I really do. And we're we're more fortunate south in the fact that we can play outdoor shows later in the year than yeah. bands in the, in, you know, New York. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. As far as I know, it's snowing up there. Like <laughs> I grew up off Lake Ontario. It would snow almost every Halloween. So it's like two days from Halloween. It's probably snowing up yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. That, that's true. I mean, even getting people out of the house to go to an indoor show in the winter is a little bit easier around here than it probably is somewhere else. Like up north. Yeah. Yeah, I do hope that on the other side of this, that people do have more of a desire to get off their couch and go experience something. Um, and hopefully uh, something that something is music for a lot of people. Yeah. So you said the scene there has changed a lot over the 10 years. I'm not, I'm not real familiar with the Columbia scene or haven't been. I was a little bit in the 90s, so I don't really know in the years since then. But I know Chris Bickle's always been real active in the scene. I don't think he's not currently playing or singing in a band, not actively, not that- I think. He's he's making movies these days. Better back for a while. Yeah, Jay Matheson, Andy and the Butcher. Yep, Jay Matheson, and um, that's what I was gonna say because you 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 said you recorded Jam Room, so I know you guys know Mm -hmm. Jay. Jay recorded a bunch of our stuff from You Me and Us up till with Long Shot Odds and and Corey, our 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 drummer Corey, Mm -hmm. high school with Corey Plow, who had a studio, so we just kind of wanted to check it out. Yeah, it, it it went very well, so. Kind of just kind of suck around there. Oh yeah, well, that's what with us we've we found somebody we like working with, and I won't say we won't record with anybody else because we will. Yeah. But um, I'm already thinking about going to go see him again in January. It's just like that's mm-hmm. who that's who we're going to try to hit up every time because we're comfortable working with him and he gets the sound we're looking for. If they if their methods work well with your methods, kind of things work. Yeah. So how is like show attendance in Columbia with pre COVID? Um, we're not counting uh, other bands and their girlfriends, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it depends on who's playing. Like, we, like you'll have a good show every now and then in Charlotte, and there'll be like 100 people out there, and I'll be like, what the hell, man? Maybe they'll keep this rolling in the next show the next time that same band plays. Here, 30 people. It, it hasn't been that way. Like, I don't know. I used to, when I first moved here, just in order to get us shows, I started setting up shows at, at New Brooklyn Tavern. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that Mike gave me the last Sunday of every month yeah. that I could just do whatever I wanted with, and and I just would bring down. I, I was always the not likelies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rogue Nations, Chris Piegler, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, I miss him. Like we, Huck Randy Savage, um, IED. Like the like. There's a lot of Charlotte bands that mm-hmm. we used to bring down. Yeah, and, they, and a lot of like bands from uh, Augusta, like Six Six Six. And, and we would have these shows, and it would be every month. And the attendance would be 100, 110 people through the door, yeah. which is pretty good. Um, and then I stopped kind of doing that because uh, I got kind of burnt out, and I was working a lot. Mm. And and then it got harder to book shows. Yeah. <laughs> Back then, it was like the, the Columbia scene was like, it was like us and murder media. 
And I feel like those were the only two, like, punk bands that were even around at the time. Yeah. And then I feel like the scene had a split in that era between, like, the crust punk and the, like, the, I, I, for y'all, yeah, put us on the pop punk side of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there was a little split there with between the kind of artier punk rock and the kind of song structure punk rock. What are some of the band's biggest influences? I mean, I know you write most of the music, but I imagine everybody kind of comes from a different place or similar places, but, you know, everybody's got their own influences. I mean, No Effects is, a, I think, a sonically a big influence. Um, just that whole, and I say No Effects, but you know, that whole kind of fat rack fat sound. sound. Yeah. That's what I thought. I, I, I described you guys to somebody one time. I was like, they're kind of, they got like a, they sound like they be on fat records. <laughs> I'm like Fat Rack. I don't know. <laughs> you, like, you like Fat Racks? Like, yeah, I like those. Uh, can you name like five bands? No, not really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they sound like that. Yeah. But, I mean, I love like Ben Folds. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I like, I like sarcastic songwriting. Yeah. Uh, 
something with a little bit of cynicism. I like songs to not just be about girls or something. Not that I haven't written plenty of those songs, but there's nothing wrong with a good love song. Yeah, they can't all be about girls and love, but you know, that's, I love a good love song. <laughs> I know I go through huge periods of time where I just don't listen to music at all. I would, I would say I went through a period like that, but it's been quite a while. Now I listen to more music than I ever have in my life. But, you know, yeah, part of it's because of the podcast, and and then another part of it's just I've just fallen just really in love with music again in the past several years. Like I've always loved music, but the past few years my my appreciation has grown for a lot of different styles of music I never really cared for before and so i just like i say i just i'm in love with music again so i'm always trying to play something and trying to play different stuff too yeah sometimes that helps me write things but sometimes i just get stuck where i can't write things when i'm listening to other musics i feel like i'm just writing that music yeah i can hear that i'd usually for me i guess since i'm not the the primary songwriter i just get new ideas i get ideas from all kinds of different places now Mm -hmm. i go i'm going to use that and i'll i will i'll find a place to use it if there's something i hear and i go oh i like that I'll use it and I'll mm-hmm. kind of make it my own. My audio app on my phone is just filled with 30-second recordings of things on keyboard. Or yeah. like, I like this chord structure. Here's a melody. It's all gibberish, but yeah. then I'll listen to it and maybe it's something, maybe it's not. I mean, because I'm always looking for ideas for, for stuff. And that's what, like I said earlier, when I'm just jamming in, in the band room and I start just jamming on these riffs, and I, Eric or Ben will be like, what's that? And I'll be like, well, nothing really. It's something for me because... I'll use it with something that Eric writes. You, you just wrote yourself an exercise, like a finger exercise. Yeah, basically. But but I take that and I go, Eric will come with a song and then I'll be like, oh, I remember that one thing I did and I'll figure mm-hmm. out a way to make it fit. And it's just like new techniques and stuff I just try to come up with. Well, especially it's got to be easier. If somebody writes a song based on something that you wrote, <laughs> you already know you know all the notes. You can really embellish. Yeah. We worked so well together that, you know, like I said, Eric brings a song. I, I still say that the song is written by Van Huskins because it's not a complete song until we've all put our parts to it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I wouldn't imagine taking credit for, you know, Kellen's rad ass bass lines. Yeah. Um, except for the one when we play the, the songs that we recorded before he was part of the band. Mm-hmm. As he plays pretty much exactly what I played, so yeah. <laughs> I can't get credit for that. I, you tell me you can't like, change I, that either. That's my baseline. You're not changing that baseline. <laughs> now, there's, there's a couple songs where he threw in some runs that I just couldn't because I was like playing stuff and doing vocals. Yeah, just certain times where I just couldn't. Oh, I know. Do a a sixteenth note run while I was doing while I was singing vocals. Sorry. Trust me, there's plenty of times when Eric will be like, okay, I want you to sing on this part. I'm like, how the fuck am I going to sing on this part? <laughs> After I already wrote my part, you should have told me that before yeah. I wrote my part. <laughs> and then I have to figure out a way to make it fit. <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. That's what Ben says. He's like, just just do it. And I'm like, I can't. He's like, no, you can. He said, just keep doing it till you can do it. And then you're going to do mm-hmm. it. And it usually works that way somehow. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, at least when you go record, you don't have to like sing and play it at the same time. So it's like as long as you get it off the recording, yeah. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, because in live, I can just like slack off with my playing a little bit or, or the same. But it is <laughs> once you hear the recorded version of something, it's easier to play it live. Yeah, and it's easier like once you can hear it in your car a thousand times. You're like, yeah. Oh yeah. Or if you're like me, you'll listen to it a thousand times. And you'll go, damn it, I should have done this on there. <laughs> I should have done this instead. Oh well, I'm going to do it from now on. <laughs> That's why this last record took us like a month and a half to record. Yeah. We're working on a batch of songs right now, and I want to go try to record them in January. But I don't know if we'll record all of them or just record a couple of them. But 
personally, I'd like to try to record them quicker. But Ben's always like, nah, let's let's do on them for a little bit because they'll change and over time. Like, well, it don't matter when we record it. We can record it tomorrow. We can record it next year. Two years from now, we'll be playing it different than we recorded it. We'll we'll have added some stuff into it or switched some things around or. And nothing saying you can't record it now and then re-record the same song later. Yeah, we we were real guilty of that when we were younger. <laughs> like I said, when you change drummers and you got a cool song you like, you want to well let's record yeah. this with the with the new drummer. Absolutely. We've re-recorded several songs. Yeah. I, I think it's a punk rock thing. It's just, you know, even big bands have done that. Yeah. And, well, it's, it, you know, we didn't have the the parts written at the time. Like, there's a lot of times that we go into the studio. Like I said earlier, we did, did it on a couple songs, on, or like two songs on this album, mm-hmm. where we really only were writing them like a week and a half, two weeks at a time. And I think they turned out well, so I don't care. Yeah, but it is bizarre to kind of just all right, we're doing it, but it's like we could do that again. Oh yeah, there, there's there's a few songs that we've got that I kind of wouldn't mind going back and re-recording now, but I'm like, at this point, I'm like, well, we've already got it documented, so next time we go to the studio, why would we waste time re-recording it? Let's just record something new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can always play it live differently, but there's still like, if I had unlimited time in the studio and unlimited money, I'd re-record a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think some bands kind of set that up. Like, it, I mean, it depends on what you personally have going on in your bands, you know, what everyone has going on personally. And I know us, like, there's not enough money that we make at shows where it, it makes sense for us in our 30s and 40s to divvy up, you know, that that yeah. money between us. Yeah. So it's like we all just keep it. One of us keeps it. We, you know, have an envelope that has you know, a bunch of cash, and then, you know, after a year, it's like, okay, we got all this cash, like, I think, at the end of the day, like, you know, that, between that and merch, like, we'll pull money out if we have to buy t-shirts or something like that, mm-hmm. but just band money. Yeah, that's what we do, we've you got... Want, you want to drink beer? You you pay for it, exactly. it's not band yeah. money. <laughs> yeah, the band money goes for recording and, and, and stuff like that. I've got a coffee cup full of, right now, it's just $1 bills, because <laughs> I put it in there just over time, but and didn't spend the one dollar bills. So uh, anyway, so I, we've got probably one hundred and thirty bucks right now. It's, this year has not been good for us because we haven't been playing shows. So I'm getting ready to yeah. maybe start trying to sell some merch or something so we can raise some money. I mean, Bandcamp's been good about doing that whole uh, Friday. They've been doing like that Friday. I think it's actually mm-hmm. tomorrow. No, it'll or, be next Friday. Is it next Friday? Yeah, it's the first Friday of every month. So this tomorrow's the thirtieth. Okay, I saw an email the other day that yeah. I deleted. Yeah, that's been good. I mean, we we haven't seen a whole lot from it, but I think before next week, what I'm going to do is like do a, dis, a full discography deal, and that mm-hmm. way anybody that maybe hasn't picked it up yet that may, might want to try to help support us can just do that and get it all for like ten bucks or something, and just yeah. run that for just the rest of the year. Yeah, I would encourage everyone just to um, add one of our songs onto every single one of their Spotify playlists, or just put it on and play it and walk away. Yeah. On repeat. I was about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I always encourage people to put bands on playlists. Like, make a playlist that's got just local music on it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you want to. Whatever whatever playlist you want. And then listen to yeah. it. And then share it if you can. Because if you can get more people to listen to that one playlist, it really helps out. But not enough people really listen to music like that these days. <laughs> Somebody makes a playlist. It's called, like, ADHD punk rock study music or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, like all these awesome bands and us and i was like 
And I think that's what we're getting the majority of our plays from yeah. right now is like finding this playlist. Yeah. I wish that was like easier to get on playlist or like I said, I wish just more people would share playlists and, and listen yeah. to them. A lot of people make a playlist and they listen to it themselves and that helps, but it doesn't help quite as much as if yeah. five or more people listen to that playlist or whatever, however the algorithm works. A lot of people don't understand too. Like if your friends have bands and you go on whatever you're, you're, you listen to me, like Spotify, mm-hmm. Apple, Google, whatever, whatever you listen to music on, they all probably have the same feature where you can like follow a band yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and that really helps. And that helps more in the algorithm, I think, than the plays do. Yeah. I've tried to emphasize that too, but I don't think enough people actually do it. And I've, I've went and like done that to most of them. I, I probably need to go and, and double check some bands, but a lot of my local bands I've followed on Spotify because I know it helps. It does. Well, that it, it helps Spotify know that you want to know when they put new music out. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you want your algorithm, give you that daily playlist or whatever that says like hey these are the bands that we think you like yeah. and if you look at that every day like this thing sucks it doesn't know what i like it's because you're not going out and telling it what you like yeah. <laughs> you got to listen to the music and, and then follow the stuff you're like the significant other who what do you want to go eat i don't care anywhere all right how about here no <laughs> <laughs> and trust me like I, those spotify daily mixes that i get i listen to those because uh, yeah I listen to a lot of music on Spotify, so it knows me, and I also follow a lot of bands. So every yeah. now and then, it'll throw me one that's got no anger control and the fill-ins and Van Huskins. Uh, yeah, and... I got some. Uh, I got some dollar signs a couple weeks ago, and yeah. I was super. I was pretty stoked on that. Was so I'm always like... stoked when that happens. And I'm like, okay, so now you know that, but you still can't make a Van Huskins radio playlist that, that actually has bands that we're related to. For some reason, we can't quite crack that algorithm. There, like, there is a. There's like a threshold on that because we had one for a second like it, it showed us like you know like that whole like people who like you also like yeah, this yeah, yeah. We cracked that threshold for a moment we did I too. got that <laughs> we, we got like a couple of bands that, that are actually related like trash room and i can't remember what the other one was but bands that we played with and stuff but then they disappeared i'm like they showed up and then they disappeared what the hell <laughs> yeah because it was probably like you got some you got some listens because you just released something and then people stopped listening to you because yeah. they reported <laughs> you and then they uh you should spotify was like all right we don't need to worry about a radio station for these clowns <laughs> it's just crazy how like we have to think about all these things as, as musicians yeah. like how how do we get more people to listen to us and they've got it built in like to make it so hard to crack that algorithm mm-hmm. like it just I wish more people would just just press play. <laughs> you gotta to drink it. some cranberry juice on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's just the randomest thing that they'll make a song that's blow up. That's what you gotta do. It also helps if you Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Alright, so we went into the studio, we recorded a Fleetwood Mac cover, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna release it because I'm just like I don't feel like getting sued. Yeah. Or <laughs> Actually, you. I know, I know I can't make it legally. I can't make any money off of it. And I've I've heard that before. You you shared the I like, got video of it or something. I believe. Yeah, yeah. I know the video is the video wasn't great, but it's there. It yeah. exists. Yeah, that's one that I, I play that bass line in between songs at shows and stuff.
the only reason we did that cover is because I really wanted to play the bass line, but I'm not even fucking playing bass anymore. <laughs> <laughs> New album's coming out on November 27th, correct? Black Friday. Yep. And you've already mentioned the name of it, but I've already forgotten, so you can say that So again. far to go. So far to go. How many songs are on it? 10, 11. Okay. Oh, there's 10 songs on it, and I say there's 11 tracks. So one of the songs is a uh, just a little, it, it, I don't know, we like to write a little interlude yeah. In, into albums just to fuck with people, I, I guess. I don't know. We just like playing them. Yeah. But they're like, I don't know. So just little interludes. Yeah. And people are probably like, what the fuck? Like, I can, <laughs> but, you know, I want to listen to it. I, I, I dig what you guys are doing. It was a lot, a lot of fun to play with you guys last year, too. Yeah, no, I, we were supposed to have that second show, but then, like, the world fell to shit. <laughs> yeah. That was supposed to be like, that was like, that was like March. We were supposed to play that show, and, like, it was like late March. We were yeah. supposed to have that show. Yeah. And uh, that just didn't happen. Yeah, a lot of shows that didn't was, happen. That was going to be a real good show, too. What's that? That was going to be a real good show. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually very similar to our Halloween lineup. And that was going to be, that was going to be what, you and Brandon the Butcher and No Anger Control? Yeah, like No Anger Control, Brandy and the Butcher. Yeah. Like, yeah. That was going to be a good show. I have not seen Brandy and the Butcher yet, but I was going to go to that show. And uh, mm-hmm. then, of course, the world fell apart. But No Anger Control was the last band I got to see live. They played uh, cool. Tommy's Pub on March 11th. I think it was 2009 when we met her, and she was with Princess of the Criminals. It was mm-hmm. her band, and, and they were in Greenville, North Carolina. Yeah. And we drove, and it was, like, way longer of a drive than I thought it was going to be, for one. We drove up there, and we played, like, this craft beer bottle shop kind of thing. It was a weird fucking show. There's like, there's pictures on the the you me and us Facebook page somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure, but it's just like there's like pictures like paintings, really nice paintings like Biggie Smalls and and stuff like that. Like really like as if they were like in a Victorian castle or yeah. something like that. And on like there's craft beer and wine, and just for whatever reason a punk show. Mm-hmm. And the strip mall and I remember buying nickel bags of weed off this dude on a bicycle <laughs> and I was finding them for like a month and a half later. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know because I drank because this was before craft beer was a, uh, a known commodity and you didn't that you couldn't drink them like Bud Lights. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I, I had to go with some, some craft beer and I, I, I think I spent like $80 on nickel bags, apparently. And then just and, forgot uh, moving them. <laughs> I, me and my buddy Cameron slept in Corey's Jeep in front of, I think it was Tiff's house. Everyone else slept from the show, slept at Tiff's house. Yeah. <laughs> but me and my friend Cameron slept out in the Jeep to, like, watch the gear. Yeah, yeah. Got woken up in the morning by, like, the post office. By, like, the post office. Just checking to see if we were alive or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was a good night. I, I I do declare. <laughs> so is there anything else you want to talk about with the new album that you're putting out? I mean, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm really proud of it. I think it's really good. There's some songs that sound like breakup songs, but they're really about me getting fired from a job. Yeah. <laughs> so fun to see if you can figure out what those are. Uh, it's, it's, it's a fun album, I think. I think we've done things that people don't necessarily expect us to do, and... We kind of uh, figured out how to do the things that people do. Yeah. I, I have no, I have no, I'm a really bad self promoter. 
Uh, shit. I, I was just thinking of something I was asking. I forgot. This is this is where editing comes into play. <laughs> Being released by River Monster Records, so it can probably you can probably get it at both. And you're gonna do a, a physical release as well, right? Because on CD. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can you can go pre-order it on the uh, River Monster or the Longshot Odds Bandcamp. And that's yeah. So I was gonna yeah. say it's probably what LongshotOdds.Bandcamp.com, River, Mon- yeah. River Monster Records.Bandcamp.com. Support yeah. both yeah. both the band support that label as well. So Larry will keep putting shit out. Yeah. No, I mean because fucking. Larry's the dude. Yeah, I mean, he does the um, the compilations on like the free compilations on that you can download from RiverMonsterRecords.Bandcamp.com, which I actually came up with a name for. Oh wow, Monster Counters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's actually me. I had to text. I texted Larry the other day. I was like, "Am I, am I making this up or did I come up with that?" <laughs> Where's my royalties? <laughs> no, no, not at all. But like, I, like, I, like it, it dawned on me after like seven or eight of them. I was like, "Did I come up with that?" <laughs> Not that you can give me royalties from a free compilation, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think sure. I, I think I paid him for at least one of them. I, I like like Been five bucks. Larry since the beginning. Yeah, he's a good good guy. He does a lot of stuff besides records. He's selling hoodies and t-shirts and shit now too. So. Was there anything else you want to talk about that I didn't think to ask you or? Was there anything else you forgot to ask me about? <laughs> Not that I that I can think of. I mean, I've got a bunch of like generic questions written down here that I could ask. But give me give me some of those. <laughs> well, uh, like what what was what was your first concert that you saw? Uh, I think it was like fucking lit and garbage. Okay, was this when you still lived in New York or when you were in? No, yeah, this is in Binghamton. My dad had uh, my dad worked for Time Warner Cable, and I got free tickets to the MTV Campus Invasion tour. Yeah. Lit's all yeah. right. Garbage is all right. I'm not like huge fan. No, Lit but... was Lit was actually pretty cool. Like that dude climbed like the 30 foot scaffolding and he monkey barred across and he's like hang, dangling like 30 feet across the thing with like, one arm. It was yeah. it was actually kind of nuts. <laughs> it looked it looked. I was actually I was rather concerned for that man. Um, oh, you know what? Here, here, I'll give you a story that'll let's full circle my New York to to Columbia experience. All right, so I, was, I, I had to remember, I was pulling out this photo album I had. I've got a bunch of flyers and crap in here. And, yep, yeah, yeah. So this was, like, one of the shows I set up in in New York or whatever. It was, okay. it was, it was uh, another day forgotten, Cheryl's Mag- Magnetic Aura, which is fucking amazing, uh, Purple Grip, um, Farrago, the MIAs and Frank Martian. Okay. And the guys in Farrago are now this band called Last Point in California. Okay. And they're fucking awesome. And these guys in Purple Grip, I gotta be honest with you, I forget what the name of their band was, but I'm down here in Columbia playing a show. Mm-hmm. And we're just talking, shooting shit. We had this band play with us. The two of the members in this band we're in Purple Grip. Purple Grip was a band from Ithaca, New York. Yeah. And and fifteen years later, I'm playing a show with two of their members. Yeah. And I was like, I was fifteen. I booked your band. <laughs> <laughs> like, so it was, it was a really cool, like, just full circle experience for me. Um, I forgot Farago played this show. Gotta be honest with you. That makes me awesome. That's pretty cool. So gotta, yeah. If you play in bands long enough, you'll you'll end up running across a couple of things like that. Like we've played with some, some bands like that we played with in 
me and Eric played with him previous, like the accidents, and we played with him in Van Huskins as well. Uh, not from around here, like touring bands. So that happened for us. Um, we played with a lot of people that we played with like 30 years ago, but that's because they're from this area, but not necessarily like people from New York. When I played shows, like in uh, the, the, or when I first started going to shows in the early 2000s, because that's like when I, you know, when I was in high school, because mm-hmm. that's when you start doing that kind of stuff, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I felt like it was the perfect time for punk rock. It was like right when like Tony Hawk games were like mm-hmm. oh, yeah. coming out and stuff like that. So people like, were just really into doing it, and it was fun. Yeah, there used to be a lot of posers at shows, but man, I wish there was more posers at shows. It's never bothered me. I don't care. I just like people being there. <laughs> don't you wish there was more posers at shows? Yeah. I don't know. One thing I don't want to see more of at shows, though, the skinheads can stay away. <laughs> I, we've only really played one show where that happened, and that was like 15, that was not 15, it was like 10 years ago, and it was, it was at the... Uh, some place in Charleston that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Charlotte used to have a problem with them, apparently, like right before we came along, which is good. I'm kind of mm-hmm. glad we weren't a part of all that. But um, that's the one thing I don't want to see come back, because I don't want to see those people start showing back up for shows. The bands that we would play with in Charlotte, I feel like that crowd just wouldn't come around with. Yeah. Like all that, because like, I remember like the IEDs. Um, I forget what the kid's name was, but we were playing. We were at this place called SKNet Cafe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were playing a show with them, and mid mid song, one of the guys from IED just like the guitar player just like leaves stage and just goes and like, beats the fuck out of somebody. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. <laughs> and I know like the. the 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 scene the scene has changed a lot over the years too. So like yeah. before, like in the late eighties, punk rock is a lot different than punk rock these days. So. All right, let's see. I mean, uh, what's your favorite album of all time? <laughs> if you've got uh, one, <laughs> it's an easy question for me. But yeah, that's a dumb question. It is. That's that's what I'm that, saying. That, I've got that, dumb questions that, written that, down. That, that's one of your uh, one of my if. Stock it, in case the person doesn't feel like talking, I'll be like, uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, what's, what's, uh, this last album re- re-recorded, that's probably my favorite album of all time. Well, there you go. That, that's a good right. answer. <laughs> yeah. I'd just say Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, but that's just, you know, that's just mine. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not a bad album, but I feel like, I like, I don't know, it depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Like, music is such a visceral thing that, Depends on what I'm in, into right now. Like, if, if I, my favorite album right now, which is, I would just want to go listen to something like Fast and Loud, it would probably be like, uh, my favorite record would probably be a punk rock compilation. Mm-hmm. It'd probably be like short music for short people. Yeah. Okay. Just give me, give me all of it. 101 bands. <laughs> I've got, I've got that one around here somewhere. Yeah. No, I, I think everyone has that record somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> So I do have a couple of like better generic questions. So what is your greatest yeah. so far? What's your greatest achievement in, in music? My greatest achievement in music is finding better musicians than me to play songs I wrote. Yeah, that's probably my better. That's probably my greatest musical achievement. That's a really good answer. That's much better than mine. I'd have been like, oh, we played with C.J. Ramon one time. I either say that or I'd be like, well, the last album we put out, that's my greatest, and the next one will be even greater. <laughs> it's, finding, it's finding cool dudes. 
who are better musicians than me playing music that I wrote. That's perfect. That's a perfect answer, actually. <laughs> and so the the one that the follow up to that is: Do you still have? Are there any goals that you still have? Like things that you want to achieve that you have? Yeah, you making know? other people like our music as much as we do. Yeah. Have you guys toured at all, or do you just play like shows? No. Okay. No. You know, between us, kids, wives, jobs. Yeah, it's all. Uh, it's hard to do it at this age. It would it would take a lot, I think, to really get us on the road like that. Like we're we're I think we're pretty happy going off once or twice a month yeah. on some weekends and just playing Charleston, Charlotte, Greenville, Atlanta, whatever. You know, like the, the general kind of southeast area. If we can get there and back within like six hours, that's great. Yeah. And that's what we like to do. I mean, mostly we play around Charlotte. We haven't, we don't even really play out of town too much. That's that's one thing I want to do next. Um, but yeah. I'd love the tour. I just, I think I missed my opportunity for that really when I was younger. Yeah, which, no, which we, we should have done we, it when we, we were have, younger. Short of short of a record label all offering us, you know, several hundred thousand dollars, which you know, totally gonna happen. Oh yeah, but we all have those fantasies. Like me and Ben will talk about that a lot of time. Like, man, if if we could just get enough oh, money man. to cover our bills for a month. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen, so just get over it. Yeah, um, so, yeah, we'll talk about it, but it's let's, that's as far as it goes, because it's not going to happen. That shit, that shit happens, fucking color me purple, because it's uh, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because <laughs> especially not these days. You know, you no. might you might have been able to do it back in the 90s, back in the 80s, or but, but now... I hope some people, I hope people like the record, they hear it. Yeah. If not, I made it to listen to it in my car, so fuck y'all. Yeah, I always say I'm the I'm the biggest Van Huskins fan there is because I don't care how many people listen to our record or how many times they listen to it. I'll play it over and over and over again. And then I'll take a break yeah. from it. And then I'll play it over yeah. and over and over again for a few days. And I, yeah, I, I, got, I, got, a, I got six disc, disc changer in my car. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure four of them are, are me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. See, the other ones are like against me, Thrash Unreal, and uh, I don't know what the other one is right now. Maybe, maybe, there's, maybe there's five me in there. <laughs> I know, I know one of them's against me because I was just that the other day. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, man. It's <laughs> your podcast. I'm just looking at this other question, going, "Do I want to?" Because it's it's kind of the same question, like biggest regret like, if you missed any opportunities musically, like something that you didn't yeah, do, actually, you didn't take no, advantage no. of. No, I, got, I, got, I, got, I got one. Okay. I got one. I got a regret. Regrets. I got a few. <laughs> yeah. No, we were um, on our way to Charlotte. This was with uh, you, me, and us. We had uh, booked a small, I think it was like a two or three city tour with some bands from Hellcat Records. Mm-hmm. And uh, we broke down on the way to the first show, oh, yeah. so we didn't get any of the shows. Yeah, and that really because I felt like that could have been that could have, especially because you know at that point I'm still in my mid late twenties. Mm-hmm. Could have happened, maybe yeah. you know pushing it at that <laughs> at that point. But yeah, no, I, I feel like that 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 one kind of hurt. Yeah, that would stick with me too. For sure. Devastated.
girl like this before I was, I was looking forward to this because I haven't done any real press before besides Riot House. And I'm like, well, I don't count that. It's <laughs> actually like experience and talking to press because that's just Billy. Me yeah. and Billy go out and drink beers like <laughs> two or three times a week. That's just hanging out and talking with my buddy Billy. Yeah. I enjoy doing this. I enjoy putting it together. And, you know, each each one I do is a, is a little different. You know, some some interviews I do, it's like the conversation just rolls. And actually, whenever I've got a whole band, that actually works out usually a lot better because everybody feeds off of each other. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes doing a whole band via Skype or, or Zoom or whatever is, is a little bit more That's difficult. That's kind of what I told them to fuck off. <laughs> I've done it, and it works, but it's, it's a little yeah. bit more of how we talk over each other quite a bit, and we have to stop. There's a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a lot more awkward silences and stuff, which, I mean, there's going to be those in, in my interviews anyway, because I'm going to kind of let you talk until you just run out of things to say. And then it's going to be like, okay, now let me ask you the next question. Yeah, well, I feel like switching to the Facebook or whatever was a good idea. It was an excellent idea. This is much better. Yeah. And the thing is, is in the past, I've actually had better luck with Zoom. and Actually, Skype seems to work the best. And Facebook Messenger works okay. And it, this, it's, this one's been great. But I've done a couple of them where the audio wasn't that great. But again, that could be like a myriad of different factors. That's probably more on their end yeah. as far as like That's what I was technological say. capabilities or whatever. I think a lot of times that just has to do with, you know, do you have a good connection? But, you know, where you're at and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. But always, no matter what I end up with, I always find a way to work with it. And I also find a way to keep the technical difficulty stuff kind of in the podcast as well. Just to kind of tell this, yeah. tell a little bit of a story and put a little bit of background stuff. Oh, I've heard you freak out on your audio situation before. <laughs> oh man, I I create bad situations for myself with the podcast, just because I just when I record them in person, I just set the mics up and go. Don't worry about sitting on the mic. Just sit back and we'll talk. And then I go back and start editing. I'm like, God damn, I should have told them to stay on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> but you said you had a couple other things you wanted to talk about. No, I just kind of wanted to keep talking to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if you had like something in particular. <laughs> no, no, I, was, I, I, I wanted, I really wanted to pee, but I didn't want to just be like, all right, I gotta go because I gotta pee. I, just, I wanted to finish this conversation. What have you been doing during quarantine besides this band practice? I've been working the whole time. You got um, any new skills? Not really. I, I got a, <laughs> I got a MIDI controller, and I bought a like a sixty-one key Yamaha keyboard. That I found at the cool. thrift store for fifteen bucks. And, nice. Uh, so my my thing that I was gonna do was I was gonna start. That's how it starts, man. I was gonna start playing around with that, and I was gonna learn how to play, and we're gonna add some keys to some Van Huskin songs. And I haven't had time at all to mess around with it. <laughs> so, like this MIDI controller sitting right here in front of me, just waiting to be played with. And hold on, what you need? I got this sheet at my local music store. It's like this little okay, piano yeah. chord chart. It just like piano. It's just says piano chords. And uh, you need something like this. And I just have this. I have this one sitting over right on top of my keyboard. Yeah. And I'll just walk over and I'll just like mash five keys. And if it sounds good, I'll figure out what five keys I just mashed. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's an E flat major. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something I definitely want to start messing around with. I just, I've had like, besides the, the podcast, so I, I'm supposed to be doing a zine. And I've written a handful of, well, I've written most of the reviews. I've got a handful I need to write still. So I need to finish up the next issue of the zine. 
I've been like rearranging my whole living space up here. Um, you can see like part of it, but the other half of it's a mess. And, um, so I'm trying to like set up a sort of like a studio in this area. Um, so I've got like all these different projects going on. And so the, the, the keyboard thing that I was going to learn to do and all these songs I was going to record, I wanted to record a version of, uh, Unchained Melody. I wanted to do my own version of that. And I started learning the song and then I just didn't have time for it anymore. Um, and I know that a lot of times I sit around here and I don't do anything, but I feel like I just need some downtime as well. But that's, that, that's, I haven't learned any really new skills. I've just like honed the skill of my editing and stuff with the podcast during this time. I got to, I'm sorry. I got to change my answer for my biggest regret. Okay. <laughs> my, my biggest regret is that we never performed our cover of I would do anything to love, but I won't do that. <laughs> I think that's my biggest regret. All right. Meatloaf is, is awesome. So we cut, we, we practiced it for a long time and it was a really good cover. This band or, or me, me, you and us. No, long shot odds. I don't know why we never played it. I, maybe we, like, I, I think we just couldn't book any shows. I think nobody <laughs> wanted it. I just don't think anyone wanted to have us play shows. Well, then that can be your, uh, you I still feel have... like I, I've always felt like we're, we're very underdoggy, <laughs> which is why the name fits. Yeah. It was there, was there any other reason for the name, or just somebody come up with that and just thought it sounded good? And... No, I mean, I, I came up with it. I, thought, I I was like, I checked it out. I was like, nobody else is using it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I can get all the I can get all the usernames, and uh, like I definitely I registered for all like the Gmail accounts and Twitter and yeah. Instagram and all that stuff before. Like, I think like, Twitter is the only one I have to have like an underscore between long shots and odds. Because like uh, I think there's some like, horse racing, yeah, say, some kind of gambling thing or whatever. But, but I love the the imagery that we can use with long shot odds because it just feels like, and we are we're we're just for like you know, Kellen's a firefighter, JJ's a substitute teacher, I'm just a a, a bartender mostly. Corey is a, a you know a delivery driver as in he he stocks grocery stores bread and we're, we're a relatively blue class blue collar band yeah and we've never tried to fake our punk rock cred we're not going to be the the band that shows up in in misfits leather studded yeah and that's cool i love i love those kids yeah but uh i, I would, that would be fake if i did that yeah we, back when we were um so back in the 90s when me and, me and eric played in the accidents we were there were a bunch of kids in the scene that came out that were like fat. I don't want to say fashion punks because that, that makes it sound bad, but you know, that got into the fashion side of it, the, the bondage pants and all that shit. And it's yeah. like, you know, we were always just wore t-shirts and jeans or whatever we wanted to wear. And it's, I, I never felt bad at me. And it's like, I didn't feel, le- I didn't feel left out, but I also didn't feel like they were being posers or anything. I just thought that's what they wanted to do. And it wasn't my no, dude, I missed the posers. Yeah. <laughs> at least people were coming to shows back then. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like when I remember playing shows back, like I was saying, those early punk rock picnics we were playing, and it was uh, these kids were showing up in their leather and studs and bondage pants, mm. and they're pulling up in uh, a brand new Mercedes. Yeah, <laughs> cool kid, and they're teenagers. They're not, you know, it's definitely some mommy and daddy money. Oh yeah, but yeah. Just I've been I've been really really hoping that all this stuff would start to go away. Cause I was, I was hoping earlier this year that by now we'd be able to play shows and cause I, I miss it. I really do miss it. 
Yeah. I, I love getting together and jamming and, and writing new songs and doing everything we're doing now, but I miss playing shows a lot. Well, we got kind of lucky just based on the fact that we had... We were supposed to start recording this album in January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the, the the guy, Corey, that we used to record, he, he was... He basically, he had a studio in his home, and he started building, like, basically some point last year, he's like, I'm building a new studio on my property, and he built, like, one of those, like, corrugated metal mm-hmm. buildings. Yeah. He put, like, one of those on his property, it's like 5,000 square feet, and uh, he built this thing, but it took longer, and then all of a sudden COVID happened, so it takes even longer. Yeah. And so we went from what we thought was just going to record like four. I think we were originally just going to record three songs in January to a full length album yeah. in July. You know, mm-hmm. we started recording in the last week of July, and we ended in September, in the first week of September. But even in like mid July, I'm still like adding songs. I was like, "Oh, you're right, <laughs> Like, don't tell, don't. And I was like, "Don't tell JJ." Like. This is gonna be the thing, and like, but you're gonna play a second bass line here. Don't worry about it. Just write it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and we get in the studio, and like, there's definitely times where they they were like, giving me looks, like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And they're like, "The, the, album, the album, like, and it's all put together." And I'm like, "That's what I'm doing." Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I was on that, I was getting a little on the keyboards. I'm like, "There's four string parts here." And, and all right, now me and Kellen are going to play trombone and trumpet. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, that scene in uh, Walk Hard where he's like, learn to play the fucking theremin. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was kind of getting there. Yeah. So, so you said, like, you only had, like, three songs ready to go earlier this year. And then, so COVID happened, you guys were not able to play shows, and you just wrote a whole bunch of new songs. I think that's what a lot of people are doing these days, though. It was just like, no, I just didn't think we'd have songs ready. I just didn't think the songs that we had would be ready to go. And okay. Like, oh. And then there was there were songs that were definitely written in that time frame. Because like, we released the, that Circle the Drain record. We released that last July, like the beginning of July. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I used that uh, iPhone like record app yeah, all yeah, the we, time. Yeah, we've done that. The majority, the majority of, I record almost every band practice, like, the majority of data used on my phone is just that app, yeah. just recording hours and hours of, of things. The day that that record came out, I was actually, uh, I, I just drove by myself down to Sonoya, Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, which is the town they filmed The Walking Dead in. Okay. So I just drove down there by myself, rented an Airbnb, um sat in the coffee shop, waited for the record to come out, just yeah. brought my guitar, just start, and I started writing the next record that day. <laughs> the day the record came out, I started writing the next record. Yeah. And, uh, I I, sometimes they, they, sometimes they write themselves. In a way, yeah. <laughs> if they fight me, if, if the song fights me, I just stop writing it. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll, I'll leave it, and then, some of the songs on this last record I've been writing for 15 years, but like if a song fights me, I'm just I, I give up. If it doesn't feel right, I just, I just yeah. Let we, it go. We, we've had a couple of songs where we tried to. I felt like we were trying to force something that really wasn't working, and mm-hmm. we just we don't play them anymore. They just eventually mm-hmm. we just stop playing them. <laughs> it's, like, 
It only takes about three practices to go, oh, uh, yeah, that one's not working anymore. Let's just skip that. We'll maybe pick it up one day down the road. Yeah. It, yeah. Then you give them a point. I've got 10 different songs that I could be writing, but I'm just like, oh. one of those songs need, will write itself at, at the, the point that when something happens. I'm assume, I'm going to assume I'll have some, like, super brutal song about being a dad or something like that yeah. at some point. <laughs> one, one thing I'm thinking about doing is once I get to about a year on this podcast, which will be in December, I'm thinking about slowing it down a little bit and maybe doing an episode every other week or something. Cause I've really got to start finding more time to do some things like that. Like I've got all these ideas. Like I said, I, I every practice we would, I come up with these ideas for songs and I just have not had a chance to really sit down and write something. Here's an idea for you. And this is totally self-serving because it helps me too. <laughs> and you'll see why in a moment. Every year, you kind of like look back at some of the artists you had, mm-hmm. and if it's realistic, try to have like some sort of show in Charlotte, like Gabba Gabba Fest. Yeah, I've, th- I've thought about that. That's definitely kind of cool. down the road. Kind of cool. But I thought about starting to do like shows when we can have shows again. And this yeah. is something I was wanting to do this year, but then everything fell apart. But like Gabba Gabba Hunt presents, and then like I book shows. Um, yeah. But to maybe make a festival in a year or two, that might be kind of cool to do. I think. Well, the the yeah, like that sounds like uh, a super rad time. See right through ya I need a better way 
Chris Piegler was one of the most influential people in my life. Yeah. As far as meeting him and the time I met him, he was the most supportive. It, he, you can watch, like, you can find any video of my band playing in Charlotte and you will find Chris Piegler in that video right up front. Yeah. And it's like walking past the camera or something like that. Like, he was the dude. He... He just made shit happen. And he, he, he did, and, and he was. And we've talked about him a little bit before on the podcast. Um, I'll talk about him a lot more in the, in the near future. I'm going to be talking to uh, a guy that used to play, play in the world. This has been a Gabba Gabba Hunt Media Production.